want to make sure that you're listening to your audience. I think that, you know, there's a lot of expertise throughout different functions at El Pollo Loco and having them have a seat at the table is very, very important. I think sometimes the best ideas are the ones that make the team a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, because if everything was smooth sailing, I think that, you know, everybody would be doing that idea. And the ones that sometimes cause a little bit of discomfort are the ones that ultimately achieve some of the best results. What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give and Ovation. I am joined today by 2021's most influential executives in the restaurant industry. He's the Senior Vice President of Marketing for El Pollo Loco, where he's in some incredible things like tripling revenue in six months, bringing in drone delivery, leading digital strategy for this $880 million behemoth. He's a former marketing director for McDonald's and Ford Motor Company. This guy knows innovation and digital marketing. Welcome, Andy Rebun. Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks, Zach, for having me. It's a pleasure to be on with you. Um, first of all, tell us what, what keeps you busy there at El Pollo Loco? What are, uh, what's like the day in the life of Andy? I think the, the biggest thing is just making sure we provide a seamless customer experience to uh, our customers. Uh, we are in a very competitive space and we need to make sure that we continue to provide a digital journey and a restaurant experience that uh, encourages our customers to come back to the brand. And I would say that the biggest thing that keeps me up at night is just making sure every customer has a great experience with us. I know that might seem a little bit unrealistic, but everything from making sure that we have the systems in place to recreate the experience we want to have every time, to making sure the menu is executable, to making sure the promotions stand out, and making sure that the agency and team is continually excited to work on the business. I mean, that's the uh, pretty much most I can ask for. Yeah, well, I love that idea of that seamless customer journey, because especially in a market like the one that you're in, right? Especially with, you know, you got, you got fire, you got chicken, and it's not like you got burgers on a grill where it's pretty easy to keep it consistent. Like that shelf life of that chicken, it doesn't, doesn't have a lot of variance there, you know, and, and chicken's a, it's a pretty hard meat uh, to do. How, how, do you, how do you really manage that? How, what, what are your, what are your thoughts? What are your tools um, to, to think about that seamless customer journey? I think the biggest piece is we have a 55 minute grill procedure that our uh, restaurant teams execute extremely well. We have a really solid training team at El Pollo Loco. And I think when you talk about just making sure you manage that guest journey, it's uh, really building in the tools and the processes for the digital experience. We work very closely uh, with DoorDash, Uber Eats, Grubhub to make sure that we uh, you know, continue to execute what we established to do digitally uh, through off-premise, uh, whether it be a customer ordering for pickup where they come into the restaurant and they get their food or via curbside or via our drive-through. I mean, I think we have so many different order modes at this point. It's just that consistency and making sure that we have the procedures and processes in place to make sure that that journey is the same one via whatever channel the customer chooses to uh, experience the brand. And you mentioned third party. How have you partnered with them and, and um, why do you not consider them to be the enemy? 
I think when you think about, uh, you know, the most difficult part of the pandemic, third party is kind of like the equivalent of a shopping mall, right? So Zach goes to a shopping mall and he has the ability to choose from all the different retailers that are out there. It's somebody who's hungry. It's a captive audience. And that's half the battle, right? You want to be able to be front and center with that consumer in mind. And I think they did such a great job uh, when you think about 2019 and 2020 in terms of growing their user bases. They came out with the unlimited passes and they really had a captive audience that was essentially trying to decide where they wanted to order from. And for us, you know, it was that captive audience that really allowed us to grow our market share. We partnered with a number of them during the pandemic to offer different types of promotions. Probably, probably the one that sticks out most in my mind was the one that we did with Postmates. We did a promotion called free delivery for however long is necessary. We, we launched that April 1st of 2020 and it's sunset December 31st of 2020. We ended up quadrupling our numbers on Postmates. It was pretty uh, no phenomenal. Way. They were great partners for us. And uh, it was a really good longstanding promotion that our customers really enjoyed throughout the uh, beginning of the pandemic. So how do you justify, I mean, looking at something like that, you know, the typical restaurant operator is going to say, I can't afford to do something like a promotion, like free delivery, because, you know, I'm already paying 25, 30%. Uh, what would you say to those restaurant operators? I think part of it is the partnership. You try to figure out ways where you can grow check through menu items, add-ons, particularly drinks, sides. Those are where you have a little bit better of a favorable COG situation, cost of goods for those who don't know that acronym. But I would say that, uh, you know, we really just try to be strategic in terms of the way that we're positioning our menu. We really try to, you know, utilize some of those items like family meals that have a little mm -hmm. bit higher margin. We put those at the, you know, upper echelon of the menu and we kind of tend to put the lower margin items a little bit lower down on the list. But I'd say that, you know, you really just want to be strategic. You want to make sure your pricing is in line with what continues to drive profitability for your organization and just be smart about it. I mean, you don't want delivery to be a losing proposition. You have to just constantly look and assess and see how your competition is pricing the menu on delivery and just make sure you're competitive in the marketplace. Now, one thing that you do really well, Andy, is you're, you're great at thinking big. Um, what, are, what are some frameworks that you, you use? Like if we, were to, if we were to rip open your head and like look yeah. at this, this strategy juice in Andy's brain, like how, how do you go around, how do you go about um, having these, these big visions and these big thoughts of, of what you can do? Because especially in your seat, you've worked at some very established brands where maybe thinking big is, um, you know, it, it's hard to do because there's been so many years of history, right? So how, how do you go around thinking big? What are, what are some frameworks that you, that you think about, that you use? What? I think the biggest thing is I've been very fortunate throughout my career to work with people at Ford Motor Company who are quite honestly the best in the automotive industry and McDonald's who have some of the best and best franchisees, best employees in, in the restaurant industry. And so I would say that a big piece of that learning has come from just working with so many skilled individuals throughout the course of my career. And I think some of the frameworks that I picked up through that process has really helped me elevate the way I think, the way I challenge and the way I kind of strive for my team to perform on a regular basis. And I, I'll just break down two very simple frameworks that I think that works really well. Uh, the first one is, I call it IOAR, it's Insight Objective Action Results. So you first have an insight, right? You try to understand like, what is it specifically that you're trying to drive or what's the problem that you're trying to solve? The objective, what is it exactly that you're trying to accomplish in the situation? What action are you gonna take as a result of the objective that you've created and then ultimately, the result? What is the outcome that you're trying to achieve? 
The other one is uh, a former executive McDonald's kind of gave me this one. It's a really, really good one. Um, You kind of ask yourself these three questions. Number one is, is it disruptive? Will the customer notice it? Number two, is it profitable? And three, is it operationally executable? If you can answer three, yes, to all three of those, uh, you're probably in very good shape. I won't say you're all the way there, but you're in pretty good shape. If it's two out of the three, you're probably in good shape, but you got to do a little bit more exploration. If it's less than two, uh, it's really going to be tough, tough to execute or tough to be able to make that idea or program come to life. So those are just two very simple frameworks that I utilize just in my day to day. Um, I really try to implement those in our processes, our practices, and you know the team has done a really good job of adopting them. That's I love that framework, right? The disruptable, uh, disruptive, profitable, executable. Because as you look at that, it's like there are so many things that um, you guys. Know, we're looking at starting company, and we're looking at technology. It's always a matter of is this, are we asking people to really do something differently or are we simplifying their life, right? And whenever you have a technology that's adding uh, steps, adding friction, it it almost universally does not get adopted. And I think that's that's a really big thing. Um, How disruptive is it to the guest, to the consumer? I think it's a really interesting way to put it. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And, you know, but with, with all these ideas, let's say you go through the, it's IOAR, right? Mm-hmm. You go through the IOAR, you go through this other three question framework, uh, you got some good ideas, but you still got to get people on board. And historically, our industry has not been one that is on the bleeding edge of technology and innovation. How do you, how do you get buy-in from uh, your constituents there within El Pollo Loco? And, you know, even if someone has a seven location, uh, seven location brand, maybe you just have two locations, but you and your, your business partner may be the chef and more operations and very easy to say no to things, right? How do you get the buy-in of, of, uh, of people? I think the biggest piece is you want to make sure that you're listening to your audience. I think that, you know, there's a lot of expertise throughout different functions at El Pollo Loco and having them have a seat at the table is very, very important. I think sometimes the best ideas are the ones that make the team a little bit uncomfortable um, because if everything was smooth sailing, I think that you know everybody would be doing that idea. And the ones that sometimes cause a little bit of discomfort are the ones that just love the whole notion of little bets. I think lots of times you learn a lot more when you fail quickly than you do when you win fast. Love that. Yeah. Because I think that especially with little bets, there's a lot of low hanging fruit that people have. I can't tell you how many restaurants I go to that I'll say, Hey, what do you do for text marketing? They'll say, well, we've got 10,000 text messages that text uh, numbers of people who've opted in. We just haven't used it. Right. We've got 30,000 email addresses. We just don't send anything. Um, And there's a lot of this low hanging fruit. And one of the things that that you did at El Pollo Loco was you did a great job of revitalizing and, and creating the, uh, and leveraging the loyalty program, right? How have you seen using leveraging and finding that, that customer data? What would you recommend to someone who maybe they, maybe they have data, maybe they're not sure if they do. Um, what would you recommend to people to like do the assessment of finding that data? And then how do you start to do these tests to see how to leverage it to fail fast? Yeah, I think you have to you have to work with somebody who really understand understands just the notion of data, right? Because I think 
the first piece that you're going to undercover or uncover is the fact that it could be very complicated, right? There's lots of different pieces of data that come in the day-to-day -day business. You could be a low transaction, you might be a high transaction business, but the fact of the matter is, is most, most restaurants or brands have a lot of different SKUs. They have a lot of different customers. People are spending a lot of different money. They're visiting at different times of the day. And so you have to be cognizant of really the overwhelmingness uh, of just like a set of data. And then I think you have to just dive deeper. So what are the top selling menu items? What are the bottom selling menu items? What are order modes that customers choose to order from most frequently? Uh, do you see patterns in the behavior? Are there typical menu items that people associate different other menu items with? And so, again, it's about pouring over the different data sets and really trying to create segments first and foremost. And then, you know, you test out segments and you try to see, is this working? Is this not working? You check whether or not people are opening different emails as it pertains to that segment. Are they opening or are they clicking? Are they opening up push notifications and text messages? And so you can continue to iterate and iterate and iterate. And I think the the possibilities are endless in terms of the number of combinations and data sets you're probably going to work with. But I think the biggest piece is you just need to take a step back, look at the bigger picture and not feel overwhelmed by it. I think that's a great point because it is so easy. Big data. The problem is, is it's big, right? Yes. And even, even little companies, there's a lot of data there and it's hard to make sense of it all. And especially, you know, if you can't afford someone with like, you know, your background and a Kellogg university, like how do you, you know, degree, how do you, how do you make sense of that data? And I think that that's, that's some great advice. Just take a step back, look at some patterns and you can, you can start to, especially if you're a smaller chain, you could start to eyeball and kind of like get a feel for things and then test that, right? Put even something like pivot tables in Excel. If you don't know what a pivot table is, look it up because there's some great analysis that you can do by just combining data in different ways and seeing what patterns are emerging. Right? Absolutely. So what's something that uh, a lot of people do wrong with digital? Uh, I think it's the fact that they want to over-communicate to the customer. I think that, mm -hmm. you know, nowadays customers are expecting personalized communications, right? And I think that if you, for instance, if I'm a customer who's going into El Pollo Loco and I'm regularly buying burritos and tacos, I don't necessarily want you to advertise a family meal, which isn't going to pertain to me. Maybe once you kind of see if there's some sort of excitement there and whether or not I'm interested and engaged with the email. But if I'm not a family meal customer, I don't want to see that type of advertisement. I think, you know, you look about, you look at some of the brands that have some of those best consumer experiences. And the first ones that pop to mind are like, Netflix and Amazon, and you think about how they look at algorithms and patterns and see what they think you'd like. And obviously, mm -hmm. it usually has me uh, adding more things to my shopping cart, which I really don't need to buy at Amazon. <laughs> and then it has me watching more content, which I really don't have the time to do on Netflix. But I think that the biggest piece is, is really trying to personalize uh, the behavior, because I think sometimes as a marketer, I get excited and I always want to try to get the customer to try the new thing, but the new thing isn't for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. So you just have to keep in mind how that customer wants to be communicated to and just not over communicate to them because it takes one click for them to unsubscribe from your database. It, it takes one inadvertent or one too many emails to just have them say goodbye nowadays. And yeah. I think it just have to be really smart about the way you communicate. Yeah. And I think that piggybacking on that is making sure that you communicate the way that they communicate with you. Yes. Right? If, if they want to email, if they want to be emailed, let them get emailed. If they want to be texted, let them be texted. Um, and I think that that's one of the things a lot of people are like, 
well, I don't want to text customers because customers, because I don't like getting text messages. Um, well, that's fine. But do you like getting text messages from your spouse, from <laughs> a close friend? Would you like to get in text message if it was going to make your life better? Um, and if, and some people like getting that, right? So I think it's, it's giving them that optionality and that frequency. I think you're, you're exactly right. Is you got to make it, you got to make it relevant to them in their channel on their time frame. Absolutely. And so going along with that guest experience, what do you think are some of the most important aspects of guest experience nowadays? I think probably one of the biggest pieces I see is just being able to solve the resolution quickly. Um, I think there's so many times where restaurants and brands in general get experiences right, but it's not the good experiences that customers remember as often, unless it's an mm-hmm. above and beyond brand experience. Mm-hmm. It's the bad ones, right? And I think yeah. one of the things during COVID that I think has been very challenging for a lot of brands is call centers have gone remote and a lot of the uh, communications is, have reverted to digital is the amount of time it takes to solve a problem. And I think we're in a uh, we're in a situation right now in a pandemic where I believe that customers have a lot less patience to give brands a second chance. There's so many different opportunities and options out there in terms of brands that want business. And I think in terms of customer experience, you have to be willing to really go above and beyond for customers nowadays. And you have to do it in a way that's very quick, efficient, and makes them feel like valued customers for the brand. Yeah, because the problem is, it is very expensive to create an experience that just blows a customer away, right? Mm -hmm. It's very hard to do training wise, material wise, you know, it's just, it's challenging to mess something up that takes almost no, I mean, takes zero effort. Yeah. Right. And, and you're absolutely right that those ones stick around a lot more. I mean, data shows that people are almost five times more likely to leave a negative review than a positive one. Yeah. And that hurts. Right. Right. Exactly. And I think, you know, for the, for the times I get an email that says El Pollo Loco XYZ forgot Zach's Mac and cheese. Like I want to solve it immediately. Like our, our, our restaurant teams are working real hard. I want the customer service center and my team to be able to make sure we get it right for Zach as quickly as possible, because I want him back in our restaurant. So I think that's, that's really important for me. Now, what are some successful things that you have seen or tried lately? Um, in terms of customer service experience or digital promotions, what specific? D- digitally, digital promotions. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think the biggest piece is uh, just really trying to get ahead of the uh, digital gift card boom. I think mm-hmm. one of the things that we've seen this holiday season specifically is just gift card sales have kind of gone through the roof. And I think you need to just really try to differentiate your brand and make sure that the promotion that you're offering is something that, again, with data, you're able to substantiate. And we've had, you know, probably a year and a half or two years of digital gift card sales at this point. So we're able to see patterns and see when we see the spikes in terms of what specific promotions resonate with that consumer. And I think one of the things that we learned a lot from last year is people really try to start the Black Friday, Cyber Monday thing a lot earlier. And so we actually started November 1st this year, which is the earliest we've ever started with digital gift card sales. Oh, and, wow. uh, you know, I think the brand's been rewarded handsomely. Um, we've been uh, very lucky with what we've seen this season so far. Uh, we're very happy. We're breaking records. And uh, it's just, it's, it's exciting because we've really tried to be students of our own business and make decisions that really make sense for the brand and for our customers. Love that. And, and lastly, who deserves an, uh, an ovation in the restaurant industry? Who's an individual that 
we should be following? Oof. Um, I think there's a lot of brands that deserve ovations. I mean, I, I specifically think uh, just in terms of the digital experience or digital customer service, I think Sweetgreen and Chipotle do a phenomenal job. Um, but if I were to say just customer service in general, I'm going to extend it just a teeny, teeny bit. Uh, if you'll allow me to uh, yeah. grocery store, I really think Whole Foods, in my opinion, is one of the most impressive. Um, you think about how they've pivoted their business, growing their delivery channels during the pandemic, specifically now that they're owned by Amazon. And it gets back to that problem and resolution. I mean, anytime you're missing something, anytime something goes wrong, you submit something, one or two sentences online, they give you the refund almost instantaneously. One of the other things is they've made so many different avenues of return available for their customers. So, I mean, again, I know you said restaurant specifically, I gave uh, an ovation at two restaurant chains, but I think the one that just sticks out in my mind where I can just tell the story over and over again, it's Amazon and Whole Foods. They just do such a good job of taking care of the customer. I mean, I spend a ton of money there, but I also think that they have just got their process down really, really well. Awesome. Well, Andy, how do people find you, follow you, follow your brand? You can find me, uh, Andrew Rebin or Andy Rebin on, on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect with you. If you want to spend some time chatting with me, uh, I'm definitely willing to make the time if you reach out to me and, uh, you know, you might bump into me like I bumped into Zach at a restaurant conference and we became friends quickly. So, uh, Hopefully I'll see you at one of the next restaurant conventions. Amen. Well, Andy, for giving us some frameworks to think big and for inspiring us with hair style and brain power, today's ovation goes to you. Thanks for joining us and giving ovation, Andy. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Glad you're with us today and thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.